Women are powerful and have accomplished great things. Yet, sometimes we suffer from self-doubt, fear, and limiting beliefs. We often believe that we are not good enough. These negative beliefs stop us from achieving our goals. Welcome to Sprinting to Success, a podcast dedicated to women who have experienced struggles, yet found ways to step into their power, their greatness, and learn to embrace challenges. These women will share their stories and give you insights to help you on your path so you can follow your dreams. And now, here's your host, Esme Lawrence. My name is Esme Lawrence, and welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. This episode is sponsored by Esme's co-author course. Esme will help you become a co-author. You write your story, or Esme will interview you and turn your interview into your story. Use your story, only 4,000 words, to inspire others, speak on stage, do workshops, or become an authority. Contact Esme today at EsmeLawrence.com. And now, my guest today overcame fears of a career reinvention, failed marriage, and major move to the West Coast to thrive in an industry he loved but knew nothing about. His struggle to triumph story is a great inspiration for all. My guest is Doug Sandler. Doug, welcome to Sprinting to Success podcast. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm already interrupting you. Okay. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be here, Esme. Oh, <laughs> uh, I just want to tell my listeners that uh, because of you and Steve Osher and, and you know, and all the, the great team that you have, I have a podcast. I'm so thankful for my podcast because it's my voice and I, I love it. I love interviewing people. And of course, to have you on the show, what an honor. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Esme, it is my honor. I appreciate you having me on the show. And I'm so glad that you invited me. I, I felt like, oh, gosh, I hope I hope at some point she invites me on her show and before she gets too big to invite me on her show. <laughs> One of these days, I'll be really big, right? But it's a process, right? <laughs> exactly. It's totally. Listen, five years after I started my podcast, it is a it is a process nearly a 1000 or a little over a 1000 episodes, three and a half million downloads later. It is still one of those things that like, I know I'm going to figure this out one day. I'm sure I will. Exactly. So yeah, I'll follow your lead. <laughs> so one of these exactly. days, uh, you are welcome to. It will be great. So, so go back to your childhood. What kind of child were you? Oh boy. Uh, if you go back to my childhood, I was probably a really quiet child, but a child that really loved to be loved. Uh, I was very quiet. Um, I can recall um, a number of times just uh, my parents were divorced at a young age for me and um, raised by my mom, loved my mom so very much and still love my mom very much. She is uh, fortunately still with us. My dad is no longer with us, but my mom is with us. So I just remember just always being the mama's baby. I was just always the little, the little kid, even at six, four, where I am now, I still feel like I'm just her little baby. And it is just such an amazing uh, thing to have such a great relationship with my mom. But I was, I was a quiet child as a, as a youngster. And then I kind of grew out of that. <laughs> right. So what were some of the struggles you had as a child? I think um, I come from a, a hugely blended family and I was the youngest in this blended family of, uh, geez, there was uh, seven, seven of us. So seven, was, wow. So, so, but a blended family. So it was just me and my brother uh, biologically, but many stepbrothers and stepsisters. And uh, for me, being um, such a young little guy, uh, it was always, how do I get anybody's attention from where I am? You know, how is anybody going to 
follow my lead or listen to me or do anything that I ask them to do because there's all these big people that are around me. Right. And, uh, you know, so I, I just did it through having a, um, a very positive attitude always. Um, you know, my dad used to give out these things called a positive attitude award in the family on, during the weekends when we would visit him. And uh, I would always try to get that positive attitude. So I was a, chi- a quiet child, but I did have a, a positive attitude growing up and always a pleasant disposition. I think I was a, a good kid to be around. Right. So you got the positive attitude from your dad. I think so. I think I got a positive attitude from my dad. I think I got the tenacity and the ability never to quit from my mom because uh, as a single mom raising two sons, uh, she had her struggles. How was she going to pay rent? How was she going to make sure that groceries kept coming in the door? How was she going to make sure her kids were clothed and clean and all of that? And uh, it, what was great about it was that I learned a lot of those lessons. I think I probably learned a lot of good business lessons from my dad but I learned a lot of personal lessons about overcoming obstacles and adversity uh, from my mom. And I appreciate and respect what she had gone through as a, uh, as a young adult, you know, with two young kids. Right. Actually, we have the same thing in common. Me, um, I have a single mom, you know, she was raising five children and, mm. and you know, the, um, the determination that she has to feed her family, clothe her family. So we have that in common. So I'm blessed. My mom is not here anymore. I'm sorry. But the lessons that she actually gave me to never give up, even if I fall on my face, totally. <laughs> even if I'm crawling my belly, get up, you know, slowly get up. So I got that lesson um, from my mom. So let's fast forward to you, you as a teenager. What kind of struggles do you have as a teenager? I can remember um, as a teenager, always wanting to find a group to be a part of, but never really feeling I was, um, I was immersed in any particular group of any cast of characters in my school. I, I didn't really love school. Um, I went to high school, as, we, as we, many of us do. I went to high school, but never really felt like uh, I was in a, a group. I went to college, the same thing. I really never felt like I um, fit in and particularly well in any specific thing. I wasn't disliked. I just never felt, and I didn't feel unwanted. I just never felt wanted. And I think part of that is probably because of the divorce between my parents. I probably pulled this need to be loved from that and struggled with that for most of my, uh, my young adult life and into my adult life too, through a couple of failed relationships, even a couple of failed marriages, unfortunately. Um, I did struggle with some of that. Um, I feel like I've gotten a lot of counseling, a lot of support. I feel like I'm really in a good place now as I have been for the last, you know, I'm 55. So in the last 10 or 15 years, I really do feel like I'm in a much better place mentally with myself and feel good. Uh, But it took a lot to get there. I have a very positive outlook on life and very positive outlook on things that are going in my life right now and enjoying it. But uh, I think that those were some of the struggles I was dealing with as a young adult as well. Right. So go back to the first time that um, who told you that you, your uh, parents are getting divorced? Was it your mom or your dad? Oh, geez. I don't even remember. I was two years. <laughs> I was two years old. I don't. Oh, I two don't, years yeah, old. Yeah. I don't even. I don't remember it at all. I do remember a new man coming into my mom's life that was going to be our stepdad. And I do remember my mom was extremely protective of her two boys um, as we were growing up. He was just like the other guy that lived in the house. He was not, we never called him dad. We called him Marty and we loved Marty and Marty is a great guy, but she was the mom. She was the, she was the rule maker in the family and he never disciplined us. And he never really, he was just the guy that lived in the house with our mom. And so, and so she really did take a strong and she's not a, she's not like a, uh, a really, uh, she, she wasn't a tyrant or a, a strong fisted leader and she never hurt us. Uh, but she was a very strong-minded person. And again, part of the 
tenacity and the and the um, comfort that we knew that we had to if we just stayed in the game long enough we wouldn't fail just continue going like you said you know get up and just go that's how my mom was too and it was it was a great influence to be around right and so did you get along with marty's children yeah, go? yeah, yeah. Marty's <laughs> children, you know, again, they were much older than I was. Um, they were 10 to the, the youngest one was 10 years older than me. So um, it was and they never lived in our house with us because by the time that they got together, uh, I think I was seven or eight and they were already 17 and 21 and they were out of the house and moving on to college and doing all that. So um, I really never got to know them as a youngster okay. other than just vacations that we took. But again, uh, very positive um, influences. I don't remember any, any negativity uh, with them in my life. I just remember always being that guy that was struggling for attention. Hey, it's me. I'm here. It's Dougie. I'm here. Come on. I was just, I was just laughing because at New Media a Summit, <laughs> you were, you were in the dance floor. You were like laughing and jiggling, and it was so much fun. <laughs> I enjoyed you. Yeah, see, really. <laughs> see, this is this is probably why I've done a number of the things that I do. It's probably why I've been a DJ and an entertainer in my life. It's probably why I'm a podcaster. I do seek that attention that you do get when you have done something and you command attention with a microphone. Whenever you put a microphone in my face, it's like, oh, there's truth serum for me. Let's just start talking. People want to hear what I have to say. Right. And, and yeah, you were a great DJ because you played great music at the New Media Summit um, with Steve Olsher. It was, it yes. was awesome. Thank so, you, Esme. So go back to your first divorce. What happened there? I think that um, I, uh, there was a time in my life in my early 20s where I just felt it like it was time for me to be married. It wasn't necessarily, and, and uh, my ex-wife and I are, are still good friends, uh, but at the same time, I think that we crossed paths at a time when I thought it was important for me to be married rather than I'm going to wait for that right person to come along. And not taking anything away from her and her ability to be a good wife, an amazing mother to my two children. But um, I just think that uh, at the beginning, I probably didn't get married for the right reason. Uh, and I stayed in that marriage for almost 20 years uh, because, wow. of, because of kids. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't have kids and take that responsibility lightly. So it's not that I was struggling every day or just miserable every day. I just didn't feel happy. I wanted right. to be happier in my life. So I, um, I tried to, you know, I, we, we tried to work it out for whatever it, whatever value there is to the counseling that we went through. I was probably immature about the counseling. Also, I probably saw it as the situation was beyond where it should be. I, I'm, I was over mentally, it was done. And I probably didn't put everything that I could into that counseling. I probably was the reason why it never really rebounded properly. If I had right. to say that. Right. And, you know, I really believe in counseling. I mean, I'm divorced after almost 24 years. And I wish I, you know, if I could go back in time, I would have counseling with my husband because we were so different and it, it didn't hit until, until later. Yeah. Like, oh, you know, oh, you're like this, you know, I'm like this. We're so different. Right. Um, you know, but of course, you know, you stay in it for the, for the children. And, uh, and so, you know, I mean, I'm blessed with three beautiful children and, you know, that's, that's great. Right. Yep. Fast forward to you now, you had, you went on to, to marry a second time. Yeah. So I married a second time and um, I was in love. I mean, I knew that this was like the love of my life. I mean, that's where I felt that I was going with my second marriage. And um, I think that there was just some really big red signs, red flags that I just didn't see at the very beginning. And that relationship was very brief. Um, it was a long relationship from relationship perspective. It was five and a half, six years of relationship, two years of that were, were marriage. 
Um, but the marriage was, was over almost as quickly as, as it started. And that was my biggest heartache. That for me was a challenge. Um, it wasn't necessarily my, uh, my goal to have that marriage end. And it wasn't right. um, my choosing to have that marriage uh, end. And as I look back, it required that second marriage, really that second failure and that second relationship, the major relationship in my life. It was so critical for me to really discover uh, a lot about who I am. And did you discover who you are? Yeah. Without that relationship, I don't think I would have ever discovered uh, taking this journey into self-discovery. I don't think that I would have ever gotten the counseling and the support that I really needed, which I've done. I don't think that I would have uh, met somebody else that is as amazing as as uh, as I could have in my life if I did not struggle through that second breakup. Because, uh, you know, to think about it now, looking back, even just the you know two years ago when this all happened. Uh, it was uh, it was a heartache that I I had never experienced heartache in my entire life. So I was completely devastated and put in a really bad position mentally. And I just I just had to I had to come to some sort of understanding. Of why did this happen to me? And uh, yeah, while you never want things like that to happen to you, um, you uh, you realize that even great situations can happen out of a, a horrible circumstances like that. Right, because you said you were in love. So is love enough? To make a marriage work? Well, it, oh, a lot work is <laughs> work is what's required. <laughs> work is what's required. You uh, you you got to realize when you're in a relationship, as I'm sure you realize this too, since you th- were through a, a a divorce as well. That uh, the only person in the relationship that you can change is you. You can't right. convince anybody else to change. Uh, you know, as Gandhi says, "Be the change." If you want your partner to change, you must need to. You must change first and. Uh, I just, I really thought that by complaining and you and, and providing information like you, well, you hurt my feelings and all of that. I mean, that nobody can hurt your feelings. You allow people to hurt your feelings. Right. And when you, when you get to a point where you understand that and you're comfortable with you and who you are and what you're all about, you know, life gets a lot more clear when that happens. Definitely. So let's move on to the third marriage. Okay. So fortunately, how, first of all, how did you, how did you, meet, how did you meet her? First of all. So, so uh, it, I'm not married, which is, uh, okay. which is okay, which is fine. I have a great okay. relationship. And I think that we always joke about it. I don't, she has come from a, ma- a marriage previously also that got divorced and I have gotten divorced twice. And we always joke about it that we're not going to get married. We're just going to incorporate. We're just going <laughs> to start a business together. It's the same thing. You know, I love you. You love me. Let's get incorporated. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so I actually met her through podcasting and you may know her. It's uh, JJ Flazanes. I don't know if you know JJ from New Media Summit. Yes, if you, if you remember yes. JJ. Well, JJ and I met uh, two summers ago, uh, right at the tail end of, of me coming out of this relationship. And um, we struck it off almost immediately. And we have a great connection through podcasting. We have a great uh, connection through my needing help and her providing it. So the support right. that she was able to, to do. And we, we supported each other through some very challenging times in both of our uh, you know um, divorces. So uh, and I've been, I moved out to California for her, for this relationship and have been enjoying it uh, ever since. Right. So tell us about uh, reinventing yourself uh, or moving. Like, what, what were some of the struggles there? Uh, I think you have, I think you got to keep in mind as you make a, ch- make a bold move, there are many people in your family or your friends that don't want you to make any moves. They want you to be right where they are, whether that's happy or miserable or wherever they are, they don't want you. They like life to be the status quo. They, nobody wants you to change. So when I moved from Baltimore to, uh, to Los Angeles, all the way across the country, they were not real, real happy with me. 
but um, they got to know JJ and they got to know my reasons for doing it. And uh, those that wanted to re remain in my life stayed in my life. They said, hey, listen, I'm, you know, it, it, I said myself, if you don't support me with this, then I don't know, you know, how can I have a relationship with you if you're not even willing to support me? I'm willing to, to come halfway in order to maintain this relationship. But mm -hmm. if you're just going to be angry with me for moving across the country, then, uh, then, and you feel like I'm not supporting you in your time of need, listen, I, I need the support also. I just went through a, a failed marriage and, and there are some needs that I have as well. And if you don't want to support me, that's your issue, not mine. You know, what, right. what's the expression? Your, your opinion of me is none of my business. That's so right. it's, it's like, okay, <laughs> all right then. What you think about me is none of my business. Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so tell me, so you um, went through personal development. What things did you do to, um, to increase your self-esteem, um, you know, to become a better person? What are the things that you incorporate in your life for that? Sure. Well, I immersed myself in a lot of um, a lot of support and professional counseling. You know, by by doing things like um, uh, imago therapy, uh, relationship counseling. What's imago therapy? Uh, it's just understanding the relationship that you have with your partner, and uh, it is a form of counsel, a form of therapy that's out there that just allows you to understand who it is that you are. Uh, what wounds that you bring to your relationship. I bring some obvious wounds of things like abandonment. You know, right. I, that's easy from a, a, a divorced uh, family at, at a very young age that my need for approval, my people pleasing, uh, you know, all of those things, um, certainly my wound of abandonment. You bring to your relationship a lot of your wounds from your childhood. And oftentimes you will put people in your life that are just doomed to repeat those same wounds over and over and over again, because you have a lesson to learn. And until you learn that lesson, nothing is going to change. So you can either learn the lesson or you can just continue to repeat that lesson again over and over in your life. So from a support perspective, from a counseling perspective, I would say that that has been um, hugely beneficial to me. Plus having a partner that really understands the importance of, of self-development as well. Uh, to go through life unconscious uh, just doesn't make sense. If you're aware of who you are, what you do, and the actions that you have affect other people um, and affect how you are, then if you have that mentality that you understand that, you tend to go through life a little bit more consciously. And that's what I wanted to do. I, I think I've woken up in the last couple of years especially and understand that these wounds affect my life. I'm going to probably carry these wounds for the rest of my life. Just the, re the realization of that Right. is sometimes enough to help get you through any obstacles or any situations that come into your life. Wow. And yeah, because you know what? We all have a journey. And so everything that we have done in the past, it's with us, right? So we can decide if we want to let our, our past or baggage um, bring us down or propel us forward by by um, taking like, you know, becoming a better person, personal well, development. Yeah. Well, and you can look at any situation that happens in your life and, and look at it from the woe is me perspective and say, yes. wow, I can't believe that, you know, I unfortunately, and I'm not saying this for any type of sympathy, but you know, I've been through a, a, a failed, a failed marriage. I've been through a loss of my stepfather. I've been through a loss of my brother all within the last few years. And I could look at that wow. and say, oh, well, there's no re that's exactly why you have failed at X, Y, and Z. Or I could look at those things and say, what lessons did I learn? What, what experiences did I get out of you know, my brother passing away in March? What experiences did I get out of my relationship with him that, uh, that are positive? And I know my brother is still here with me. So right. even though his physical body is not here, there are signs for him 
everywhere I go. And I know that he is still speaking to me from wherever he is right now. And I'm not one of those guys that's like a woo kind of person. I just, right. am, I just believe that truly that uh, the lessons that I have to learn and the things that happened in my life happened for a reason and that good is around us all the time. And our, all the time. You know, if, if we just vibrate at that frequency that we know that good is just around the corner. Uh, if you're struggling with money, and money is your challenge, if you know that money is down the road or coming just around the corner, it will happen. If you feel like you're in the situation because this is where you always are, oh my God, that's, that happens to me all the time. And I, I knew that was going to happen and that business was going to fail or whatever. Guess what? Whatever you think, whether you think you're right or you're wrong, you are. Whether you think you're rich or you're not, you are. And that's exactly, I try to keep myself at, vibrating at a frequency that's so high uh, and that's why I have a positive attitude. And it's not a, right. it's not a manic f positive attitude. It is a legitimately, I wake up excited to see what the day has in store for me. Right. And so you expect the best. So the best comes in your, in your life. Totally. Why would we want to expect anything differently? Why would we want to expect disaster and, and woe in our life? Because you are going to get exactly what you think and what you think that you're going to get. You see what you want to see and it is in front of you every day. It's how you interpret what's in front of you every day. That's so very important. Oh, that's awesome. I love what you said there. And so, so go back and tell us about your brother. So uh, in my brother's early years, when he was 16 years old, he had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, so or non-lymphoma Hodgkin's or whatever. He had cancer, okay. and uh, at the time in the uh, in the early 80s, the um, the the uh, the modality that they used was radiation therapy. And radiation therapy in your chest area can potentially cause. They didn't discover this until decades later, but can, can potentially cause harm to the arteries. So my brother, while playing ball about 10 years ago, had a, uh, a collapsed on the field and they discovered that 90% of his arteries were blocked, not because he had a bad heart or heart disease, but because of the radiation therapy from this cancer long, long time ago. So he struggled for, for almost a decade and um, the last six months of his life were just on a ventilator, on a feeding tube, on dialysis, and he was there was no quality of life. And the last couple of weeks, they decided, you know, we need to we need to really make a drastic move here. We he's not there's no quality of life. He's not coming out of the hospital. They could have kept him alive for a long time on all of that apparatus, but no quality of life. And uh, so they decided we decided as a family that it was time to to say goodbye. And it was a hard thing to do. I mean, he was only 58. Uh, so it was a really hard thing to do. But um, I again, I know that he's in a much more comfortable place now. And a lot of the struggles that were going on with, with my brother at the time health-wise were at the same time that my marriage was imploding. So when I moved out here to California and he was still in the hospital bed, everybody thought I abandoned the family. And that was totally far, as far from the truth as it could possibly be. I can't go back and tell people any more than, hey, I loved my brother and we had an agreement and we loved each other. Uh, but some people just looked at that as abandonment. I looked at it and thought, this is what I'm going to do. I can't, I'm not going to sit around here in Baltimore and wait for my brother to die. Right. It just wasn't going to happen. So I did what I want, needed and wanted to do. And, um, and we had an agreement and nobody respected the agreement except for me and my brother. So, right. you know, everybody felt sorry for themselves in the situation of why are you leaving us to go do that, to see that woman out on the West Coast. And I'm like, are you kidding me? This is not, this is my life. Uh, right. Let me live my life how I choose to live my life. My brother and I have an agreement and that's where we were. Right. And you can't just um, you know, put your life on hold because your, your brother is dying. 
you have to live your life. And I'm sure that's what he would want for you. He totally would have wanted that. And for everybody just to say, well, that's not what he would have wanted. They have no right to say that. And you know, where is, where's the compassion? And I'm not looking for compassion from anybody, but where was the, where was the support for me? Where was the compassion for me and what I was going through? All they looked at was they thought your brother is dying. Why aren't you with him? Why aren't you standing by his side? And when he died, I was by his side. So I, I felt like I was at, at the right place at the right time. When he needed me, he called me and I said, when you need me, I will be here. And I was there. And oh. I know what I did was right. And uh, for people to still harbor that, you know, even a year later, for people to still harbor that resentment and that uh, feeling of, of bitterness, that's their problem. That's not mine. I have no problem with what I've done. And I can sleep with my, I can go to bed at night feeling good about the decisions that I make in life. That's right. That's their problem. You're not going to worry about them. Right. So I am. I feel. I'm sorry for the loss of your brother. Thank you. But what what lessons did you learn from that? Wow. Uh, again, I had to take a, a a strong look from within. I I saw the lesson that I learned. Probably one of I cannot be a people pleaser and please myself at the same time. Right. I've got to be. I got to feel good about myself and the decisions that I make. I got to stop having other people make the decisions for me to tell me what they think I should do. You know, what's the expression? Stop shooting all over me. So, <laughs> so uh, my feeling is that uh, my lesson that I learned through that process was stop people pleasing and stop making decisions based upon what you feel other people would want. Do what you want to do. And if they come along with you, great. If they don't, right. that's their problem. Right. And you're so right. You can't please everybody because no, no matter what you do, somebody's going to be upset with you. Right. Yeah. So you might as well please yourself and live, live your life according to your passion, your desires. And they don't like it too bad. That, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I feel the same way as me. Good, good point. Good point. So go back with, um, with all the knowledge you have now and all the lessons you have learned. Go back and talk to your younger self. What would you say to your younger self? Be true to yourself right from the beginning. Don't be afraid to fail. Be true to yourself. Do what you want to do. Do what makes you happy. Uh, and you'll find success no matter what you do. Oh, great, great advice. So, so Doug, what would you, what, what do you do in your life to decrease your stress? Oh, I do a lot of breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I remember um, I had a, um, a spot in my life. This is probably about five years ago or so. Maybe it was a little bit less than that. I had a spot in my life where um, anxiety really took a grip on me. And um, I went to a cognitive behavioral therapist at the time who taught me uh, the importance of meditation, the importance of breathing, the, uh, the importance of immersion therapy, where you put yourself in the same situation that made you fearful to begin with, uh, and, you, um, and you work yourself out of it through uh, a clinical method rather than going back and looking at what are the reasons why that you are unhealthy? You know, what are the, what are the things that happened as your child? I mean, forget all that stuff. When you're in anxiety, when you're in panic mode, all you want is to be out of panic. So meditation, uh, apps like 10% Happier and uh, the Insight Timer that I have on my phone, uh, napping, finding me time, all of these things were really essential for me to um, you know, put time on my schedule for me. Uh, now, every day, four, well, four of the five days a week, I have me time on my schedule, whether it's nap time, gym time, going for a walk time, meditation time, exercise time, whatever it is. And I never had that. I would be a, an 80-hour-a-week to 100-hour-a-week person. Right. Uh, as it working and uh, that'll catch up with you. And even if it takes you 50 years, which in my particular case, it took me nearly 50 years for that to catch up with me. Uh, but when it caught, 
caught up. It scared the crap out of me. I thought literally I was dying. I had no idea what this panic attack was. I never had one. So, and I couldn't imagine why, because I was still a positive person. It has nothing to do with positivity. It has to do with the stress that you have in your life and the, and the amount of emotion that you hold within. If you don't let some of that out, you're like a pressure cooker and right. it will blow up one day and it, it blew up. Yeah, that was a bad day. <laughs> oh, definitely. So you can't just do things, work, work, work. Um, you have to make sure that you spend time for yourself, but you have to yep. schedule it. If you don't schedule it in, you're so busy. You've been pulled you know, to the right, to the left. All, all directions, but you need to pump, um, schedule things in. And I'm glad you did that because then that way you make um, time for yourself yep. because you need to refresh because if your cup is, is empty, you can't give to others. Oh, agreed. Agreed. And yeah, I, I love being able to do, um, you know, things for other people. Um, my, yes. my love language, however, is uh, words of affirmation. So, so for me, I tend to use a lot of words back to people, but, uh, yeah, you're right. You've got to give, uh, you've got to give yourself time, time to time to breathe, time to understand what's going on around time to be conscious, you know, e extremely important information. Right. So Doug, what would you like to say to our, our audience today? I would like to tell them that I am sprinting to success with Esme Lawrence. <laughs> Wait, oh, that, wasn't the, that, that wasn't the time for that though. Was that time for that? It, it, it wasn't the time, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so ladies and gentlemen, you can learn more about Doug <laughs> on EsmeLawrence.com. Doug, thank you so much. Esme, thank you for having me. Congratulations on the, on the success of your show. And I'm looking forward to getting some really positive feedback from your community. Thanks, for, uh, thanks yes. for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Sprinting to Success with your host, Esme Lawrence. Please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this show on iTunes. For more information about Esme and to hear other episodes of the show, go to EsmeLawrence.com. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional or medical treatment or advice. Always seek advice from your healthcare provider.